Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All Saints Sunday, that day in the church year where we remember and we celebrate all those who have come before us in the faith. And we're gonna do that a little bit later on in our service. We're gonna continue as, to remember and celebrate those who have come before us in the faith, those who have inspired us in the faith, and those who now rest in the presence of our risen and reigning Savior, Jesus. I'd like to continue that, that theme of celebrating and remembering the saints in my sermon this morning. And we're gonna do that by looking at, at two saints, one from our, from our scripture reading, one from our Old Testament reading, and the other comes from our New Testament reading. But let's take a moment so we can better understand what it means to, to be a, a widow, not only in, in biblical times, but also in, in our context. Let's, let's take a moment to better understand some of the similarities and the differences, and it'll help us to better understand this, this tale of two widows that we're gonna be going through this morning. So in, in biblical times as well as today, a widow has suddenly lost her husband. She's lost her main means, her main means of financial support. Now, if, if a widow in, in biblical times, if she didn't have an older son, she was extremely vulnerable and she needed protection from society because society would come in and they would try to take the little that the widow still had. So she needed protection. God cares for the widows. And when the, when the Israelites were at Mount Sinai, God gave the people the Ten Commandments, but he also gave them special laws and, and regulations about how they are to care for the widow and for the sojourner. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse uh, 17 to 21, God tells the people how they are to care for the widow. He spells it out in, in those verses how the people are to care for the widows and for the sojourners. So he, he tells them that when the harvest time comes, when the Israelites go out into the harvest field and they begin to gather in the harvest, whatever may get left behind or whatever falls on the ground, they're not to go back and, and recollect or re-get. That's supposed to be for the widow. Now even with that help from the harvest, widows continue to face daily hardships. Similar to hardships that the widows face today. Even with, our, uh, with modern help that, we ha that they have like social security and life insurance, they continue to face daily hardships. God cares about the widows. But what happens when there's a drought over the land? When there's no harvest that, that is planted and there's no, there's no harvest that's gathered and that means there's nothing left behind for the widow to gather to live off of. What happens then? Well, that's where we meet our first widow. And for this sermon, I'd like to call, we'll call her Miriam. Miriam, she's, she's living at an interesting time in, in Israelite history. She's living during the time of King Ahab. King Ahab is in, in power in Israel. And King Ahab is not only leading the people to worship the God of Israel, but he's also, he, he's bringing in and ha having them worship this, this other God, this foreign God, Baal, the rain God. And the Lord sees this happening, and like so many times in the Old Testament, he sends prophets to, to, to the people. He sends them to the people and to the king, and he, he warns them of, of what's going on. And here we have Elijah, and Elijah, Elijah just kinda, I like to say, he just kinda pops up on the scene. And he, ha he goes to King Ahab, and he has a word for King Ahab from the Lord. And because of what King Ahab is doing, the Lord says that there's gonna be no rain upon the land until the Lord says that it can rain. 
Now, this, this message that, that Elijah brings, it directly challenges this other God that Ahab is having the people worship, the God Baal, who supposedly controlled the rain and fertility. Ahab reads this message and he doesn't like what Elijah says. He doesn't like it. He disagrees with it. In fact, it makes him angry and he threatens Elijah. So Elijah has to go and run for, and hide for his life. And God tells him to go to, the, go to this distant land, this distant land of Zarephath. Now, Zarephath is about 50 miles north of Israel. It's, it's on the coast. And God tells Elijah to go there, to Zarephath, and to stay with, of all people, a widow. This is where we meet Miriam for the first time this morning. She's outside of the city, or she's by the city gate, and she's gathering wood or, or sticks. And she thinks she's about to prepare what she thinks is her last meal. Because after this, she doesn't have anything for her and her son to eat. So she literally thinks that after she prepares this little bit of food that she does have left, this will be the end for them. As, as we read in, in scripture about, and as we continue, we see how widespread this drought is. This drought is not just in the land of Israel. It's, so, it's even had the effect of going, as I said, 50 miles up the coast into this, this distant land of Zarephath, showing just how powerful and effective this, this drought is, even for these people in that foreign land. Elijah does as, as the Lord says, and he, he goes to the widow, and he asks Miriam, he starts out by just asking for some water. And then he asks her, for a piece of bread, just a morsel of bread. And Miriam responds by saying that she only has enough food for her and her son, and that they're, they're about to eat the last of it. She's about to go and prepare so that they can eat the last of it. Elijah, he, he tells Miriam to do as she said, to go and prepare that cake, for, for, uh, prepare the food. But Elijah, he's, he's bold, and he takes this one step further. He asks Miriam, to, to make him a cake first and to serve him first, then herself and her son. Here we have Miriam, this widow who's at the end of her rope, and now she has to care for and feed this prophet who just kind of showed up at her house. She had to be asking herself, what do I do? Let's meet our second widow for this morning. And for this sermon, we will call her Judith. Now, Judith, we read of Judith's account when we read from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is, he's in the temple and he's, he's teaching his disciples. And after teaching them, they, they sit down inside the temple and they watch as the people come up and they go one by one and they drop in their money into the offering box or into the temple treasury. And Jesus watches the people and he sees Judith, this woman who's also at the very end of her rope, she doesn't have much to give. He watches as, as she reaches in and, and she pulls out these two small coins and puts them in the temple treasury. Now, when we think of money in our, in our context, in our way of understanding, we think of how much does a person earn? How much is, is their hourly wage? Judith, she reaches in and she grabs two of the smallest coins that were in their currency at that time period. It was only worth about four minutes of a day's wages. That's how little she had to live on. And yet she willingly and understandably, she still goes to the temple and she places those two uh, small coins in the temple treasury. 
Now, as, as we look at, at Miriam and Judith, we can see things that are, are similar about them. And we can see things that are different about some of the circumstances that they're living in. So we know that both of these women live at different times and in different places. One lives outside of Israel in a foreign land, a land where the main worship of God was, was to Baal. And she herself was not a worshiper of the God of Israel. Then we have Judith, the other, who was in the temple, the main place where the worshiping of God, the God of Israel took place. We read from, from scripture that, that Miriam, she had an older son that was living with her at the time. We don't know if Judith had any other family because we only have this, this one account from scripture about Judith. Miriam, she was living during an interesting time in Israelite history. She was living during the, uh, the reign of King Ahab. And because of, of what King Ahab was doing, there was gonna be this drought over the land. The scripture tells us that because of the evilness and the wickedness that King Ahab did in the eyes of the Lord, there was this drought. Now, as I was, as I was, I was wondering as I was reading and, and, and studying these texts, I wondered how strong of a desire it must have been for Miriam and Judith to want to hold on to the little bit that they did have indeed. But let's see what these, these ladies do with the little bit that they do have. Miriam, she, she responds to the words of the prophet Elijah and she does exactly as, as he told her. She goes and she makes a cake and she gives it to Elijah first and then for herself and her son and they ate. And they didn't eat just that once. Scripture tells us they, they ate for many days. Now, and um, the promise that, that God had made about that, that jar of flour and that jug of oil was fulfilled. It didn't run out. It's hard for us sitting here this morning to, to think and understand of, an, of something that never runs out because when you and I, we, we use something, we always find the bottom of it. We always find the bottom of the barrel. But here, however, they never find the bottom of that, flour, that jar of flour or that jug of oil. It doesn't run out as long as there's no rain upon the land for three years. Now how does Judith, the, the other widow in the temple, how does she respond? Well, as I said before, she goes in and she places these, these two small coins into the temple treasury. Now she doesn't call attention to what she's doing, but for, for some reason, th this catches the eye of Jesus as he's sitting there and he's watching the people put their offering into the temple treasury. And he calls his disciples over to him and he says that Judith, this widow who barely had anything to give, has given more than all those who came before her. Because the others, they came up one by one and they dropped in larger coins and larger amounts. They gave out of the abundance that they had. But Judith, she gave out of, uh, Jesus says, out of her poverty, out of the little that she had. And because of this, she is given more than all the others. Both of these women, they responded in faith to what God had given them. And let, let's take a moment and look at why these women responded the way that they did. We have Miriam, she, she heard the words of the prophet Elijah and for, for some reason she trusted or she believed or she saw something in him and she did exactly as he told her to do. We have Judith who, who gave those two small coins in the temple and she did this out of faith because maybe she thought it was her way of, of worshiping God, her way of obeying God. 
And maybe it was because who she was as a person. Miriam, she welcomed this complete stranger into her home and she believed the words that he said about that jar of flour and that jug of oil. And she used what she thought was the last to feed and care for the prophet Elijah while he was hiding out from King Ahab. And then we have Judith who gave the two small coins. They did, both these ladies did this out of faith and trust in the Lord. I want you for a moment to put yourself in the place of Miriam and Judith. How would you have responded? There must have been a, a strong desire by Miriam and Judith to want to hold on to the little bit that they did have because they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Miriam, she was, she was not a follower of the God of Israel, and yet she responded to the words of the prophet Elijah like she was a follower of the God of Israel. It could have been so easy and understandably for the, these two ladies to be bitter and angry at the world for the circumstances that, and what happened to them in their life, but they weren't, and they acted in faith. We give to God, and he brings what we, and what we bring to God and he uses it more abundantly than we can ever imagine. It's so easy for us in our own sinful nature when we're turned in on ourselves to want to hold on to what God has given to us, afraid that we might lose everything. But we should not be afraid to lose, uh, lose things. Martin Luther, in his explanation to the Lord's Prayer, the fourth petition, he reminds us of how God provides for our daily needs. Luther writes that daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, home, animals, money, and goods. God gives us all that we need for this life, so we should not be afraid to give all that we have to God. God demonstrated this because at the cross, God gave everything and he did that so that we could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. God gives us all that we need for this life and when we bring what we have, he uses it more abundantly and he uses it for others. We have the very example from our scripture readings this morning. We have the, the two widows. We have Miriam who gave the last of what she thought was the last of her flour and the last of her oil. And it was used to care for and feed Elijah while he was hiding from Ahab. He used the two small coins that Judith uh, gave in the temple. And he uses what we bring to him more abundantly than we can ever imagine. Both widows, they thought they didn't have much to give. But still they gave the little that they did have. They put their faith and their trust in God, knowing that he would provide for them and would continue to provide for them. We can have that same faith and that same trust in God and know that he will continue to give us all that we need for this life. So we are to give to God out of all that we have been given. And we can do this not only by giving our money, but we can give our time and our talent to serve him in, in the church and the people in our community around us. So what's stopping you from giving it all to the Lord? Is it fear of what will happen? Is it doubt? Is it pride thinking, God doesn't, God doesn't need what I have? How are you being asked to serve? 
like these two saints did in our scripture reading, God used those who came before us in the faith and what they brought to continue to spread the news of the gospel and to care for others. And God takes and uses what we bring to him today to continue that same mission of proclaiming the gospel and caring for his people. Now, no matter what you can bring to the Lord, whether it's a little or a lot, the Lord has used it and he will continue to use it to proclaim the gospel and to care for his people. In the words of the hymn, we give thee but thy own, whatever the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.